Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. We are glad that you've decided to be with us today, and, and it's a good thing that you've started the, the first of the year uh, coming to church. I would encourage you to try to make that a habit throughout the year. It's, it's one of those things, one of the things that's happened in our culture is more and more, church has become not option number one. Used to be church was option one on Sunday morning not the case anymore. Church is like option three or four. And what we're seeing is that if people have other options, they're going to do those things before they come to church. I would just caution you and tell you, you're teaching your kids a lesson as you do that, okay? You're you're sending a message to them, and I don't know that it's a message that you really want to send. So I I just let me encourage you to come to church as often as you can. Um, It's uh, Someone asked me one time, Brett, what would you say to somebody that doesn't think they need to go to church? And I said, well, I would just ask them if they were going to go to a war in Iraq, would they want to go by themselves or with an army? And I would want to go with an army. I don't want to go over there by myself. So that's what you do when you come here. You, you kind of, you're surrounded by people who want to lift you up and support you, pray for you, walk with you through the the troubles of life and celebrate with you when things are great. And um, I, if today's the first day that you've ever been to Cross Lane, we especially want to welcome you. And I tell you, we're so honored that you have chosen uh, to be with us today. You've walked into a place full of broken people, full of sinners. We know it. Uh, We also know Jesus loves us, and and, uh, that puts a smile on our face. So um, welcome to Cross Lane, and Happy New Year. I want to tell you a story about a a logger. This this is a big old strapping, uh, muscular guy, young guy. And he decided he was going to move out to the, the great northwest, and he was going to become a logger. And he bought all the equipment, and he, you know, he'd done a little bit of that, and he went out, and he just thought, well, I'll just depend on my, um, my physical ability, and I'll be a good logger just because I'm a big guy, and I'm muscular and strong, and, you know, I got lots of stamina. So he, <clears throat> he gets out, and he goes out with this troop of guys that are going to work in the, in the forest all day and cut down trees. And uh, he sees this old guy off in the distance, and he's walking in with his axe over his shoulder, and, and the young guy's thinking to himself, well, I'm going to, man, I'll cut way more logs down than this dude does. Um, <clears throat> and so he's looking around at the other guys. He's kind of competitive, and he's looking around, and he, he's kind of sizing up who he's got to beat to be the best logger in the camp. And at the end of the day, The guy that's cut more wood than anybody else is the old guy. And this young strapping lad just can't figure out how in the world he couldn't outcut that guy. So he wakes up the next morning, he goes to work, he's, you know, he's resolved he's going to do a better job, he's going to cut more wood, and he's certainly going to cut more wood than that old man. And he, he, you know, doubles his efforts, he works really hard, and at the end of the day, the old dude has still outcut him. Now he's frustrated. He lays awake at night trying to figure out how he can cut wood faster. You know, is it a, is it a, do I, am I, do I need to eat more in the morning? Do I need to eat a bigger breakfast? Uh, Maybe not as much. Do I need to, um, you know, eat a bigger lunch? Maybe that's it. And so um, he he, he works all night trying to figure out how he's going to cut more wood than this old man. He walks in the next morning and he kind of eyes the old man and, you know, the old man, he knows he's being watched, but he doesn't think a whole lot about it. He, walk, he carries his axe into the woods. He goes to work. And at the end of the day, 
as this guy's just cutting wood like a, like a maniac, thinking, I'm going to get him today. I'm going to get him today. At the end of the day, they kind of tally up how much wood has been cut, and again, the old man is, is the, 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 the king. He's cut more wood than anybody. And this young guy is frustrated. You know, he cannot figure out for the life of him what he's doing wrong. Finally, he humbles himself enough to walk up to the old logger, and he says, man, I, could I just talk to you for a minute? I, I have knocked myself out to keep up with you. I mean, look at me, and look at you. I mean, there's no way you should be able to cut more wood than me. I mean, I'm younger than you. I'm in better shape. I, you know, I, I've, I've, I've watched you. I've worked harder than you. I mean, how in the world have you been able, why can't I cut wood like you cut wood? And the, and the old logger looked at him, and this is what he said. Son, do you ever sharpen your axe? You see, if you don't have a sharp axe, you're not cutting wood. And it's amazing how many of us try to go through life and not ever sharpen our axe. It's one of the the more counterintuitive truths that you will come across in your life, but it is true. And I I use this illustration gobs of times when I'm doing counseling with people. When I sit down with them and they, you know, we're going kind of unpacking their life and what they're doing and and what I often hear is, There's no time to sharpen the axe because it's go, 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 go. People come in spiritually frustrated. Brett, why do I feel so distant from God? Because I'm constantly doing this and constantly doing that. I'm doing all the stuff. And what you hear is I'm trying to measure up by doing all the stuff. And I look at him and I'll ask him the question, you ever sharpen your axe? You ever stop everything down and just... Get quiet? You ever ever just withdraw a little bit? See, one of the best ways that we sharpen our axe is through the activity, if you want to call it that, of rest. Rest. Rest is essential. Successful teams are teams that have rested their players. We've come into basketball season. One of the things you want to watch is, is, is a coach able to give his star basketball players enough time on the bench so that at the end of the game they can perform at a maximum level. And more than once already this season, I've watched teams where the, the essential player was so needed in the game that the coach felt like he had to leave him in. And then at the end of the game, he's still a great player, but he just doesn't have the bounce, he doesn't have the stamina, he doesn't have the, the cardiovascular to, to go at the pace that he was going early in the game, and it shows up. It shows up in free throws. It shows up in the jump shot when there's no, the legs are gone. A, a good team, football, you know, if you get, you got to keep your defense off the field. If you can't keep your defense off the field, if your defense is constantly trying to protect the end zone, you're not going to win the game because they just simply cannot hold up under that kind of stress for an entire football game. You, you, pitching, you got, your pitchers have to be rested and you'll, you'll watch great baseball teams as the season comes to a close they will start to rest their better pitchers so that they can get them ready for the World Series. Rest was important enough to God that he modeled it for us after he created everything that he created. It has been scientifically proven that a lack of rest can be more detrimental than overindulging in alcohol. That, that, that a person who's drunk and a person who has been sleep-deprived, the person who's sleep-deprived cannot function as well 
as a person who's overindulged in alcohol, as hard as that is to believe. If you're here today and you've got it all together, you know, you're clicking on all cylinders, everything's good for you, you, you've got everything in place, then this message isn't probably going to be very helpful for you. But if 2016 was a tough year for you, if 2016 was a frustrating experience, if you would look at me and you say, Brett, not just 2016, this whole decade is wearing me out, okay? Then it's possible that one of the things that's going on for you is that you are just not sharpening your axe the right way. My goal this morning is not to lead you to some New Year's resolution that you have no intention of keeping, okay? Um, I, those of you who do that, I admire you. I think that's great. Go for it. But, but for me to bring you in here and try and hype up some kind of thing that we're all going to do in 2017 and go out here and, you know, rah, rah, let's go get it, I don't think that would be very helpful. Today, I want to show you what has become one of my favorite verses in Scripture. This is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, and we're going to be looking at this passage all, all morning. This is the, the main one. I'm going to read a bunch of passages to you in a few minutes, and you don't need to turn to those, but... I kind of would like for you to be in in Matthew 11 if you've got your Bible. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus talking. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus basically said, if you're trying, if if you're worn out from trying to keep all the rules and regulations and making sure that you are pleasing God by how well-behaved you are and all the, the lists that you keep, why don't you just come to me, and I'll do the work for you. You know, if you're trying to please God by, by being good enough, Jesus says, why don't you just, just come to me? Let me do that work for you. I don't know about you, but that sounds great to me, and it probably sounds great to you. You can bet it sounded good to all of the people in Jesus' audience who were probably best described in, the, in that particular period of time as spiritual dropouts. They had found all of the rule-keeping to be somewhat difficult to, to, to do. Um, you know, kind of finding your way to God in the first century was a very difficult thing to navigate. Their whole life, they had grown up believing in a God who kept score. They grew up believing in a God who checked the list and made sure that you did everything on the list. They'd been taught that God was only pleased when you were able to adhere to hundreds and hundreds of laws and rules. And then Jesus came along, and he offers an invitation. And what was that invitation? The thing that Jesus did is is Jesus was constantly inviting people to himself. Now, you and I invite people to church. We invite people to maybe to small group, we invite people to ball games, might invite them over to the house to watch a movie or a DVD or, you know, a video of some kind. We, we invite people to other things, 
We do not invite people to ourselves, right? That seems egotistical. Why would we do that? Jesus didn't hesitate to invite people to the one thing, the one person that they needed most desperately. Jesus touched his chest and he said, I'm what you need. I'm what you're longing for. You may not know that. You may not know that that's what you need, but I'm what you're looking for. To just illustrate that, I want to go through a couple of different passages and just read to you some things that Jesus said to people, just so you can hear him constantly inviting people to himself. He said in Luke, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In John chapter 5, he said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Later on in John 6, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John 7, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. John 8, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then in John 13, he said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. So Jesus was either the most egotistical, egotistical, self-deluded person in history, or he was an answer to the very needs of our soul. He He was the thing that we need to fit into that place that is so hungry. Jesus offers an invitation to himself. So who's on the guest list? We are. Those of us who are weary and burdened. See, Jesus didn't target the the well put together. He didn't target the button down bunch, the beautiful people. He didn't target them. They probably wouldn't have been interested and what he had to offer anyway. The guest list would have included those who were weary and burdened. Normally, we hear words like that and we think of physical exhaustion. You know, we think about a person that, that's on a long trip. You know, it's, it's, you start on that long trip and 10 minutes in, your kids start asking you, are we there yet? You know it's going to be a long trip. That long trip where it just, you know, bathroom break after bathroom break, like how long is it going to take us to get there? I'm exhausted. I'm just so tired of this. Or we, we think of a merchant that's carrying a load or a farmer who has spent the entire day in the field and he comes in. I, I, some of my family were farmers and I would be there at the end of the day when they would come in out of the field and kick their boots off and, you know, be looking to- forward to a meal and being able to sit down for a little bit. Any of those could be described as weary and burdened. But Jesus had more in mind than that. He was talking about a a spiritual exhaustion. He was talking about the futile efforts that was prevalent in that time for people to try to please God. Jesus used this term, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now, 
that's a phrase that any farmer would be familiar with. You know, when you start talking about yokes, that's, that's farmer talk. They, they get that. They know what that is. And the people in the first century would have understood that as well. You see, their, their cultural and religious code was full of rituals and regulations. It was full of keeping the law. It was, it was a make a list and make sure that you are able to check off everything on the list. So Jesus offered his yoke instead. Instead of impossible rituals and religion, Jesus brought grace and mercy and healing and forgiveness, things that these people had never known. Jesus said if people would yoke themselves to him, they would find peace and joy. They would find what he described as abundant life instead of spiritual burnout. I love to challenge people to just have conversations about defining like that'd be a great conversation for you over lunch today. Just talk about what does, when, when Jesus says abundant life, you will have life and you will have it abundantly, what does that mean to you? What does abundant life look like to you? And is your answer compatible with what you think Jesus was after? That'd be a great conversation for you today. You see, Jesus was saying, Connected, co- connect to me and let me do the work. I'll I'll do the work. I'll make you pure. I'll heal your wounded spirit. And I'll give you a right standing with God. I've taught you that that word righteousness, I want you, when you hear that word, I just want you to turn that around and hear right standing with God. Jesus says, I'll do that for you. I'll give you a right standing with God. See, if you've ever been spiritually exasperated, if you've ever found yourself at the end of your proverbial rope where you just, you don't want to go to church anymore, you don't want to pray anymore, you're reading your Bible, but it's really, it's, it's not really meaning a whole lot to you, and you pray, but it just feels like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, coming back down at you. If you've ever been ready to give up on your pursuit of God, because it just seemed to wear you out then you need to know that you're exactly the kind of person that Jesus made this invitation to. There's a promise in it all. Let's talk about the promise. Moses has just led the children out of Israel, out of Egypt, I'm sorry. They were in the wilderness and they're under the leadership of Moses and they begin to complain. They have forgotten how bad it was in Egypt. They've forgotten how bad it was to be a slave They've forgotten how poor their living conditions were in Egypt, and so God wasn't a great big fan of their grumbling, and on more than one occasion, he threatened to wipe them out. He just, he'd had it. And Moses pleaded with God on behalf of the Israelites, and he begged God to protect them and guide them, and I want you to listen to to what Moses said asks of God. This comes out of Exodus 33. If you're pleased with me, Moses is saying this to God, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Now that's a pretty big request. He didn't just ask for favor for the people. I might add rebellious people. He asked God to take him on as his very own student. Like he, he wanted to be mentored by God. That's really what that prayer is about. 
Now, I don't know what I would have prayed if I had been Moses, but I'm pretty sure, I don't think I would have prayed, I don't think I would have asked what Moses asked for. I, I envy Moses' boldness. I want you to hear God's answer to what Moses asked for. This is Exodus 33, verse 14. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but as far as I'm concerned, that's about as good a response as Moses could have hoped for. You see, in my life, in the great times and in the horrible times, in in times when, you know, I've had the biggest smile on my face and in in those moments when I just wondered where the light was ever going to come from, the one thing I have counted on, and quite honestly, it's been this one assurance that has seen me through a lot of things, it was the assurance that God was with me. See, when God's with you, you're going to be okay. If God's not with you, that's not a life you want to lead. That's not a place that you want to be. See, if you can only have one thing in your life, if you can only have one assurance, that one assurance really needs to be above everything else. If you can have one assurance, that assurance needs to be that God is going to be with you. You don't don't want any part of life apart from the presence of God. You have no chance. I have no chance apart from the presence of God. And and that's what really all that God offered Moses. And and, and had he just stopped right there, that would have been enough. I mean, what, what more could you want? But he didn't stop there. God didn't stop there. He didn't just promise his presence. He told Moses that he would give him rest. And here's what I want you to understand this morning. It's the first part of the promise that even makes the second part of the promise possible. See, without the presence of God, there is no rest. The Hebrews knew that. They knew that by rest, what what God was saying was, I'm going to be there to protect you. Your your borders are not going to be overrun by your enemies. You're going to have rest because I'm going to be there to protect you. My presence will provide for you the rest that you need. They would have emotional, mental, and spiritual confidence knowing that God's presence was with them and it couldn't be taken away. So what does rest mean? Rest means you can stop worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. That's what rest means. Rest means you can stop worrying about your enemies. I don't know who you, you know, if I say enemy, I don't know who comes to your mind, but whoever that is, when, when you are able to rest in Jesus, it means you don't have to worry about that anymore. Rest means you can stop worrying about what's around the corner. And don't miss this, rest is always inseparable from God's presence. One always accompanies the other. So now, let's go 1,400 years later, let's go from Exodus up into Matthew where we get this promise from Jesus. He's standing in front of a group of weary spiritual seekers. And he invites them into a relationship with him. And what did he promise? I will give you rest. That wasn't an accident. Any good Jew knew that God had promised Moses back in Exodus rest. Those were some pretty sweet words for the Israelites. So when Jesus said them, he knew full well that they would get what he was saying. 
And no doubt his audience kind of looked at each other when those words came tumbling out of Jesus' mouth. They probably looked at each other and said, did he say what I think he said? I think he just offered us the rest that God offered Moses. You see, in that day, nobody quoted God as an equal and lived to tell about it. So when Jesus said, I'll give you rest, he was basically saying that he had the same ability to bring peace and protection and provision to God's people as did the God who had spoken those words to Moses. Jesus offered to be their shelter, their defender, their leader, their provider. The kind of things that bring emotional, mental, and spiritual rest. The kind of things that can only occur when a person knows with absolute certainty that God is an ally, not an adversary. It amazes me how many people I talk to who think that God is the adversary. That there's, you know, that God's working against them. God's out to get them. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'll give you two conclusions that we can draw from this this morning, and then we're done. We're going to definitely beat the Baptist this morning. I don't know if any restaurants are open for us to beat Baptist too, but we're going to beat them today, okay? Two conclusions. The first one is this. Jesus extends this invitation to you. This offer is extended to you. You are not the exception. You're not the one person that Jesus would look at and say, yeah, but it's not for you. You're too far gone. See, you're not the one person that Jesus can't love. I've met people who've said that to me. Brett, you just don't understand. I'm the one guy Jesus doesn't want to have anything to do with. No, you're not. You cannot have gone so far that Jesus cannot look past what you've done. You, you've not gone so far that he can't forgive you. This invitation wasn't just aimed at really, really good people. It was... It wasn't just for the pretty people. This was for people like you and me who we, we kind of hear Jesus' name and our first inclination is to drop our head like, oh, he, he doesn't want to hear from me. See, this invitation was extended and it was aimed at the spiritually broken person. Does that describe you this morning? I mean, would you, here, here's something that I know. I mean, I know it. I don't know how I know it. I just know it because you're not going to tell me this. Nobody's going to walk in here this morning, walk up and shake my hand and say, hey, Brett, how you doing? Just want you to know me and Jesus are not getting along. Not even sure I believe any. I, you know, I, it took everything I had just to get myself to church this morning, because not, not because I couldn't get here, not because the car wasn't running or because I couldn't get dressed. I just didn't know if I would be able to ramp up to come hear one more set of songs and and pray one more time, and take communion one more time, and hear one more message. I just didn't know if I had it in me. Brett, if I'm totally honest, I am a walking atheist. I just can't get there. I'm just so spiritually broken. I'm exasperated. I'm worn out. I just can't do it anymore. Now, you don't walk into, into church on Sunday morning, shake my hand, and say that to me. But here's what I know. There's some of you out there, that's how you feel. 
I, I, read, I read articles all the time. I listen to sermons. I'm reading books all the time. And it's one of the things that we, I read about a lot is that, that there are people that, that they write the books. You know, I was going to church. I looked like a guy that was in love with Jesus, but I was so far from him. And then usually the article or the book goes on to say what I was missing was spiritual rest. What I was missing was that connection with Jesus where I had to come to the place where I understood he had to do it for me. I couldn't do it for myself. See, the people who would walk in and say, Brett, I'm ready to give up. I don't know if I can do it anymore. You're trying to do too much. You're trying to do things that Jesus has already done for you. This invitation wasn't aimed at really, really good people. It was aimed at spiritually broken people. I have an exercise for you this morning. When Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, that word all is a, has a powerful meaning. It means that there are no limits to whom Jesus is willing to receive. No limits. That includes you and me. So this morning as we read this passage, I want to replace the word all with another word. I want you to replace the word all with your name. Can we see that next slide? I want you to put your name in there. I'm going to read it. I'm going to pause and don't anybody say it out loud. That wouldn't be cool, I don't think. But let's just, I want you to hear your name in there, okay? Come to me, John. Come to me, Sally. Come to me, Tom. You who are weary and burdened, come to me, Brett. You who are weary and burdened. Put your name in there. Now let me read it again. I'm gonna, we're going to do it in several places. Come to me, Brett, who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, Brett, and, and learn from me. For I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That is a biblical reality for every one of us in the room this morning. See, Jesus makes that offer to you no matter what you've done, no matter what you did last night, (laughs) no matter where you've been, no matter what you've seen, no matter who you've hurt. No matter how big a mess your life might be, you've walked in here this morning, you're like, man, I don't want anybody to know how badly I've jacked up my life. Don't care. I don't care. Jesus offers you this invitation. Second conclusion is this, very briefly. Whatever the size of your burden, Jesus wants it. That thing that you're carrying around that you're just so tired of carrying around, I've lost count of how many times in counseling I've said this to people. Drop the rock. That thing that you wake up every morning and you pick it up and you carry it around like, God, I'm so tired of carrying this thing around. God would look at you and say, then why are you carrying that? Drop it. Put it down. Give it to me. No, God, I, I, you know, I can't do that. I got I to gotta, I gotta hold it. I got to carry it. Why? Because it makes you feel more spiritual? Because it makes you feel like you're doing something? Because it makes you feel better. You know what's going to make you feel better? Can you imagine carrying around a 15-pound rock all day? Can you imagine how people would look at you eventually? You stand there and you start, you know, start breathing heavy. 
And eventually, you know, they would wonder at first, and then eventually they're just going to ask you, uh, what's up with the rock? Oh, it's just, you know, I pick it up every day and carry it. Is there, is there a reason you're doing that? No, I just like carrying it. It's just, you know, it's just what I do. Well, dude, you're stupid. <laughs> you know, drop the rock. Where your burden is concerned, it doesn't matter how heavy it is, doesn't matter how long you've been carrying it. You see, some of you would say, Brett, I've been, <laughs> I've been carrying this my whole life. I'm the only one that can do it. Nobody else can carry this. Whatever is weighing down your spiritual life and sapping your spiritual strength, Jesus wants it. He's got his hand out. He's got his arms out. Give it to me. Give it to me. That thing that is weighing you down spiritually, give it to me. But see, what we do is we wake up every day and we pick it up and we carry it around and we hold it from God. No, God, I can't give you this. This is, this is too bad. And Jesus is saying, give me that. I'll carry that. I don't want you carrying that. Come to me, all you. I, I tell you what, let's, let's do it. Let's end this way. Okay, we're, we're done. You believe that? Look at that. It's 1130. We're going home. This is, what I, this is how I want to end this morning. I want you to bow your head. Okay, just bow your head. Try to get your spirit as quiet as you can get it. And I want to lead you through this passage. I want you to put your name in there. I want you to just hear God speaking to you. Hear Jesus speaking to you. Come to me. Put your name there. Come to me. You that is weary and burdened. And I will give you, put your name there, rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you, put your name there, you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Keep your head bowed. That is the promise that Jesus makes to every single one of us in the room this morning. So to begin this year, why don't we try something new? Instead of making some resolution that we're not going to keep, why don't we just try every day to wake up and take that big old rock, whatever it is that we're picking up every morning, and let's, let's first thing, let's just give that back to Jesus. He, he wants it. He don't want you carrying that around. Those things that are coming between you and him, give those to him. That sin that you can't get over, you can't conquer, you, it's, it's, it's driving you nuts, give it to him. Say, God, I'm not carrying this today. I can't. I can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm just going to give it to you and trust you. I'm going to trust you to take this away from me. Let's try that. Instead of a resolution, let's try that. And who knows what God might do. Let, let me pray over you and then we'll be done. Father, we have come this morning, I, I've already heard some this morning talk about how great their Christmas holiday was and how they got to see family. And Lord, that is, I, I mean, it just tickles me to hear that. I love to know that people had a good visit with 
with their family and have had a great holiday season, Christmas time. But God, I also know that there are people that have walked in here and they got stuff. And it's, it might even be a miracle that they walked in here this morning because they're ready to quit. They're ready to give up, walk away, never say your name again, never pray, never read their Bible. Father, I pray for the people in this room that they would be able to do this one thing this morning, to just live in your presence. And in living in your presence, you're going to give us rest for our soul. Lord, I love that invitation from Jesus. Come to me, those of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm humble in spirit. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It is true, Father. What a friend we have in Jesus. And so this morning, to begin a brand new year, we just, we're going to put our rock down at your feet. We're going to give it to you. And maybe that would be the difference. Maybe that would be the thing that we need. I think it is. That will remove all the obstacles and that we would feel an intimacy and a closeness with you that we've never felt before because now all of a sudden that sin or that thing that just is, is every time I bow my head, it's in the way. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to find rest for my soul. Father, we thank you for Jesus' death on the cross because it's only in that that we can even pray prayers like this. We give you this year. We ask you to make it a great one. We trust you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.